Well, again, let me say happy Mother's Day. Um, and a little shout out to my mom, too. I know she's watching. Uh, the, one of the things I so appreciate about my mom is that she constantly, even when I didn't want to hear it, uh, reminded me of what God's Word said and reminded me of who she saw me like in God's Word. And, you know, if you ever want, you ever want to carry a load on your shoulders, be compared to somebody in the Bible. That is a tough, that's a, that's a tough legacy to live up to, you know. But my mom was always, always telling us kids who our personality reminded her of in Scripture. And so she always gave us models to live, try to live up to and to emulate. And uh, it really, Mom, I love you. Um, it makes sense to me, as, as I was thinking about Mother's Day and thinking about this series that we just started, it makes sense when you think about it that a child has the rights and the privileges attached to the name that they carry. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like a child carries the rights and the privileges attached to their name. For instance, if, if a family owns a business, that child's name might not mean anything anywhere else, but it means something when they walk into that business. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like it means something. The name we carry carries some validity somewhere, somehow. And so the question is this, that I have for us is this. If you're a child of God, with that song, I love that song, Jeff. If you're a child of God, what are the rights and the privileges that come to you by carrying that name? Are those rights and privileges simply eternal? Or do they have a difference right now? They make a difference right now. We're in this series, How to Pray. Uh, and we're going to look at, we're looking at over a course of, 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 of weeks, what's commonly called as the Lord's Prayer. And we'll get into it in a minute. But I want to I want you to let you know right up front that though, if you carry the name of God, there are certain rights and privileges that you have access to by carrying that name. We'll get into that. But before we get into that, we have to understand that the, the, the devil's after one thing. The devil's after your mind. Please understand what I'm talking about. The devil doesn't want your job. The devil doesn't need a job. The devil's not after your car. The devil doesn't need a car. The devil's not after your money because the devil don't need your money. The one thing the devil doesn't have that he wants is your mind and your understanding of who God is and the access you have to him through his name. And this is why people who lose their job don't lose their Jesus. This is why people who lose their money don't lose their joy. This is why people who lose their health don't lose their faith. Because though the devil's trying to get at their mind, they keep praising God for who he is. And the devil can't touch them. So, all this has to do with the very beginning phrase of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, very similarly in Luke 11. The Lord's Prayer. There's a lot of people who know it, though they may not realize that they know it until they start saying it, then you just start kind of going on with the words because we've heard it everywhere. The Lord's Prayer. Did you know that Jesus could have never prayed the Lord's Prayer? And, and what he taught the disciples to pray, they said, look, just we've seen you do everything, all these miracles, all this stuff. We don't want you to teach us how to do everything we've done. We just want you to teach us how you pray. Because obviously all the authority that Jesus had came out of his prayer life. So teach us to pray. So the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray is something he could never pray. Think about it. When Jesus said these words, forgive us our trespasses, he could never pray that. 
There was nothing to forgive in him. So this is a prayer only that people can pray and only those who have a relationship with Jesus can pray. If you really want to know the Lord's Prayer, you go to John 17. I'll let you study that on your own, but that's the real Lord's Prayer. But anyway, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, the first part of that has everything to do with what we, with the idea of the authority in a name and the fact that the devil's after your brain so you don't understand the authority attached to that name. So this, this, is, this is how it is. This is how it goes. In this manner, therefore, pray. That's what Jesus is saying. And this, this is the way, this is the format. This is the form. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This is making sense to some of you. You've heard this over and over, right? Before every football game in Texas, this is what they pray. <laughs> Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Matthew 6. The first part of this prayer is where I, want to, where I want to camp out today. Hallowed be your name. The name, and this is where we miss it. This is where I think we don't understand the power behind what Jesus is telling us. Hallowed be your name. That name. First off, the name of God is to be set apart because it's sacred and it's holy. His name. To hallow that name means to praise that name, give acknowledgement to how special that name is. To acknowledge that name and the power behind that name. Psalm 34.3 says, Magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his what? His name together. Now, understand, when, 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 when the writer says magnify the Lord with me, exalted how do you magnify God's pretty big already how do you make him bigger how do you magnify God well think about it like this if you look at something through a magnifying glass that which you look at does that actually get bigger no right it doesn't get bigger it just appears bigger you're just amplifying what already is so when the bible says magnify the lord with me exalt his name it just means to acknowledge how big and grand this name is and make it appear bigger when it comes out of your mouth that's what he's saying we can't magnify god to make him bigger he's already bigger you can't add to him you can just acknowledge who he already is why why hallow his name? Why praise that name? Why make that name look bigger when it comes out of our mouth? Because of this. Understand this. God's name gives us clues to his nature. God's name gives us clues to his nature. And his name is a lot more than God. His name gives us clues to his nature. His name is not just nomenclature. Understand that. His name is not just nomenclature. Now, way back in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 11, there's the story of the Tower of Babel, and all the people gathered together to make this big old uh, monument to themselves because they want to make a name for themselves. Here's what happens with us. We want a name for ourselves, but we don't want God's name for us. We want to make a name for ourselves, but we don't necessarily want His name. Many people want the nomenclature of God without the nature of God. Here's what I mean. 
Many people want to add God's name to their life, but don't want to cultivate his nature into their life. Many people want to add God's name to what they're doing, hoping that they'll get something good from God, but they don't really want to cultivate his nature in their life. And that's what we're talking about. And we want to simply add God's name to what we do to make what we do better. It's like spiritual forgery. You know what forgery is, right? The unauthorized use of a name. And so when we just want to add God's name to what we're doing, but don't want to incorporate his nature into our life, it's like spiritual forgery. It's the unauthorized use of his name. So when Jesus says, hallowed be thy name, he's saying something significant. And as a child of God, understand this, and I'm going to talk about what that is in just a minute. As a child of God, you have full authority of his name in and on your life. As a child of God, you have the full authority of God's name in and on your life. And here's what happens. If you're not aware of how much you need God and the power of his name, he will let you know how much you need him by allowing a situation in your life that is so big you can't handle it on your own. And then you'll realize how much you need him. Now, when it talks about the name in the Bible, this is what we've got to understand. We're talking about the name in the Bible. What we're talking about is the full nature and character and all the past activity is held in that name. And this is biblically what they thought of when they talked about a person's name. All the character, all the nature, and all the past activity was inherent in speaking a name. And God's name, get this, all his nature, his very character, and all the activity of the past is present in the name. And that name is accessible. All the character of God, the full nature of God, and all the activity of the past of God is accessible in the name of God when it's accessed by a child of God through a relationship with Jesus. So when we speak the name, here's what we got to understand. When we speak the name, all the nature of God, all the character of God, and all of his activity in the past comes to bear on my present. I don't know if you realize this. Biblically, this is what Jesus is saying. How do you pray? You start, hallowed be your name. Because in the hallowing of that name brings all the nature of God, all the character of God, and all of his past activity to bear on the present moment. Can you imagine? Can, like, just think about it for a minute. If we had access to the very character of God and the very nature of God and all the past activity of Almighty God to bear on our present, wouldn't it be worth hallowing his name? That's what's available to those who are a child of God. See, I, I, I think a lot of people languish unnecessarily because they don't understand and haven't accessed the power of the name of God. So when we talk about the name of God, I first have to ask, is this what you understand about that name? And if this is what is, is, is held in the name of God, how much more would you begin hallowing this name? 
If you knew that all of the nature of God, all the character of God, all the past activity of God is brought to bear on your present circumstance for those who hallow his name, how much more would you hallow that thing? Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus says this is to be the beginning attitude when we pray. I just want to share with you what the Bible says about God's name. Look at what the Bible says about God's name. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. You know what that means? It means in a weird, weird way that God sits on, he is enthroned, he lives in the midst of the praise of his name. Like when we praise his name, that's what you said, you begin by hallowing his name because he lives in the midst of that praise. Now, if God is present in the midst of that praise and we don't consciously spend time praising that name, Guess where he ain't? Do you understand? Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. That means the name of God is due, it's worthy to be praised and glorified and honored and held as special. Psalm 86, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may what? Not fear you. Not may fear what? Your name. That word fear biblically means to respect. Give me an undivided heart that I might respect not just you, but your very name. His name means something. There's power and authority and presence in the name. All his character, all of his nature, all of his past activity is resident in his name. See, we don't understand this. To us, a name's a name. We've gotten away from understanding that the name actually represents something. And it certainly does in, in the Bible. Psalm 111, what a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. When you understand his name, and that all the character and the nature and the past activity of God is inherent in his name, like when I speak his name, all this stuff comes to bear. That's crazy. I mean, the Bible way of saying it is awe-inspiring, but in my word, it's just crazy. Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord. Now get this. This is what we don't often understand about his name. Like, his name is what? A strong tower. It means it's a fortress. It's a castle. It's a... It's an outpost. And the righteous run to it. Notice it, it doesn't say the righteous run to him because he is encapsulated in his name. And those of us who are his children run to his name because in his name is safety. Do you understand what the Bible says? Like it's not just running to God. In his name, his name is a strong tower, is a fortress. And I will run to his name because in his name is his character and his nature and all the past activity of God is resident in his name. So I will run to his name. So what's his name? If this is what is at stake in his name, do you know his name? And do you understand the power and authority that is accessible through his name? Here, here's... Here's part of what I'm trying to say. 
We have to address God's person before asking for his power. We have to address this person before asking for his power. See, we don't get to God's power without first addressing his person, who he is. Because his power is tied to his character. And when we understand his name, we tap into his character because his power is tied to his character. Psalm 50 says to praise God who can and will save before he does save. Psalm 50 makes it real clear. I'll praise God who can save and who will save before he ever does save. See, it's praising his character and his name before his activity. Do you realize that's what faith is? When you can rely on God and praise him for who he is and his character before he does anything, that's faith. And the Bible says there's one way to make God smile, and it ain't good behavior, and it ain't going to church, although some of you have, uh, you know, flown in the face of the COVID thing, and good for you. But, 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 but the one thing that makes God smile is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So here's what I'm talking about. The power of prayer is the very power of God. You want God to show up in your life, the mechanism of that is prayer. And it starts with hallowing his name. The Bible says that there's nothing that's impossible with God. And the access of that impossibility is prayer. And prayer starts with hallowing his name, just not asking for his hand. See, the power of prayer doesn't flow from us. The power of prayer is not in the words we say. The power of prayer is not in the form that we use when we say those words. The power of prayer is not in the repetitive of words. The power of prayer is not in the way we pray. The power of prayer is not in how often we pray. The power of prayer is not in beads or candles. The power of prayer comes from the Almighty One who hears and answers prayers. See, prayer places us in contact with God. That's the connection point. And we should expect after contact with the Almighty, Almighty results. That should be the expectation. Whether he chooses to grant our requests or not is not the point. The point of prayer is the contact that's made with the Almighty, regardless of the answer. So like the disciples, one thing, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. If all of this is possible by accessing the name of God, how do we access that name? Teach us to pray. And so it's, it's with that understanding in the backgrounds of their minds that the disciples look at this new teacher and say, we know how to do all the religious stuff. We grew up with religion. We grew up with all the prayers of Judaism. They had so many ridiculous prayers. It's crazy how many, how many wrote religious prayers they had to pray as part of their religion. They knew all of that. But it's the understanding of what is inherent in a name that they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, in this manner then, this is how you do it. Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is already done in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil and the evil one. 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That prayer right there was a very common formula in Judaism. In the Judaism of the day, that prayer was not terribly original with Jesus. Matter of fact, the, 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 uh, the, the, the idea of our Father in heaven was the opening of many, many Hebrew prayers. So this was not out of the ordinary. Matter of fact, there's a very common uh, synagogue prayer that says this. Magnified and sanctified uh, be his great name through all the world. Hallowed be your name. Which he has created according to his will, and may he establish his kingdom in your lifetime. It's this very similar. This was a very common prayer. The whole prayer of what we have in Matthew 6 is very Jewish in its structure. It talks about give us, deliver us, lead us. Common in the Jewish culture is this community idea, not individual. That's why it's, it's inclusive of us, our Father, give us, lead us. See, the form of the prayer, though, is where Jesus centers down. The formula had been around for a long time. The point is not the form of the point is the relationship. The form of who you're talking to. Now, just as a prayer, the, the, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, it's divided into two sections of three. The first three are three aspects of God. Our Father, your will be done, your kingdom. It's, it's, it's all about Him. The second part of it are three aspects about us and our present, our past, and our future. Give us, forgive us, and lead us. And so Jesus kind of divides this prayer up into, into two different sections. Three aspects about God and three aspects about us. That covered the totality of existence. Last week we said that prayer is simply a reflection of a relationship that's already in place. And it's based on the response to God's word. So reflective of a relationship that's already in place and a response to God's word, Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The form that Jesus teaches begins with the acknowledgement of the God to whom we pray. That's where this whole thing begins. Indicative of a relationship that's already in place and responsive to what is already in God's word. Our Father in heaven. The, one of the reasons Jesus used that word, our Father, and I realize it's Mother's Day, and I'm talking about our Father. So, so I already understand that just the way it worked out. So don't write me any, you know, mean tweets about, you should have talked about God or mother. Well, he didn't say use your mother. He said use the word father. So that's what we're talking about. So you understand that? So our father, here's why he said the word our father. He didn't use as father one of the biblical names of God. He didn't use Abba, that means daddy. He used father for a very specific reason. Because he wanted to drive home the idea of relationship. Because the Christian faith is one of relationship, not rules. Our Father. There's a relational aspect to this. See, religion focuses on rules. Christianity focuses on relationship. Religion says there's a list of rules and there's a hierarchy. 
Christianity says there's a relationship. That's why Jesus said the greatest two commandments, the greatest two rules are relational. Love God and love people. It's real simple. Our Father. Now, let, me, let, me, let me explain this. Not everybody can call, can call God Father. Because you have to have a relationship with a man for him to be your father. Do you understand? There has to be a relationship issue. Now, it's a real popular idea right now to say that everyone is a child of God. That, that's a real kind of common popular deal. Everybody's a child of God. Um, now, it's true that everybody's created by God. But it's not true that everyone is a child of God. And I'm not being mean just to understand. And I think if you, if you thought about it, logically, you'd understand this part. That you're created by God by virtue of creation but you're a child of God by virtue of relationship. Does that make sense? And so you can't say that everybody is a child of God. You can't say everybody's created by God. Well, sure, absolutely, everybody is. So is a rock and so is a tadpole. But they're not children of God. They don't have a relationship. And so that's why he says, our Father. This is pointed at those who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. So only a child of God can pray this prayer. That's why he started with our Father. And only a child of God has access to the power of the name. And so I need to address this right up front. How do you become a child of God? Because it's only the, his children that can pray this prayer. And there's so much power. And what Jesus is teaching us here, how do you access that? By first becoming a child of God. The way that happens is there has to be a conviction of sin. There's got to be a conviction of sin. Most don't want to acknowledge how sinful they are. The Bible says that, that God has a, a, a standard, a perfect standard, that only Jesus has lived up to, and we've all broken that standard. The Bible calls that sin, and God sees sin as evil, but none of us want to talk about how evil we are. We want to talk about how good we are, especially our mama. If you listen to your mama, you would think that you are probably the Messiah. You know, it just... So moms, be real with your kids and tell them how rotten they are and like, give them some reality. No, I'm just like... The first thing to do is to, there has to be conviction of sin. Now, here's the thing. We have to come under conviction of sin, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to do the convicting. And this is where the church, this is where Christians have gotten wrong so much. The church would love to be the convictor of people. And that's why so many people run away from the church, because it's not the church's job to be the convictor of people. It's the Holy Spirit's job. He let the Holy Spirit do his thing. He's pretty capable of that. But once the Holy Spirit convicts the individual of their sin, then there has to be the convincing of the way to God. So first comes conviction of sin, then comes the convincing of the way to God. And the Holy Spirit has to impress it upon our heart that Jesus is the only way. Not behavior, not religion, not being good. You don't sacrifice that religion, that relationship by being bad. There's the, there's the convincing that Jesus is the only way. And then once someone has been convicted of sin and convinced that Jesus is the only way, then comes the conversion into the family. This family relationship takes place. After there's been conviction of sin and after I've been convinced that Jesus is the only way, then through faith in Jesus, I come into the conversion into a child of God through a relationship with Jesus by faith. 
And only those children, only those children can pray this prayer and have access to that name. Our Father. Our Father. It's to this Father that we pray and to this Father that we hallow that name. That we praise God for who God is. Praising God is different than thanking God. Thanking God is thank you, Lord, that you and what you've done. Praising God is this is your nature, this is your character, and I just want to praise you for who you are. Hallowed be your name. That's the beginning of prayer. To hallow God's name means to make his name holy. And again, you can't make God bigger. You can't make God holy. He's already bigger and he's already holy. But you can ascribe worth to him, not just him, but to his name. Psalm 113.3 says that if we, had, if, if we took time to praise God 24-7, there still wouldn't be enough time to praise him for everything that is due his name. So Jesus says, when you pray, you start by hallowing my name. So, let me, can I show you how to do that? Can I show you how to do that? Hallowing his name. That means you start praising God for who the Bible says that God is. I praise you, God, for who you said you are. Now, one of the names of God in the Bible is Jehovah. It's the, it's the God who reveals himself. Now, remember, I just said that when you speak the name of God, you bring all of his character and all of his nature and all of his past activity in the speaking of that name to bear on your present situation. And so you praise his name. His character, his nature, his past activity comes to life in that name. This is the power of God's name. And so you say, God, I praise you because, and you don't have to use the Hebrew words, you can use the English words, but I praise you, God, because you are Jehovah Nisi. You are my banner. What's a banner? And when a military army goes out to fight, they march under a flag, a banner that bears the full authority and power and responsibility for that army that goes ahead of them. That's who God is. God, I praise you because you are my banner and you are my lead and I follow after you. I bring to bear all the authority and the power of your name right now. God, I praise you because you are Jehovah Saba. You are my warrior. And because you are my warrior, I praise you. Because you are my defender and you are my defense and you are my refuge. And though every enemy comes at me united, you disperse them and destroy them before me in seven different ways the Bible says. I praise you because you are my warrior. God, I praise you because you are Jehovah Rohi. You are my shepherd. And because you are my shepherd I know I'll never be lost to you and because you are my shepherd I know I will always be found by you and because you are my shepherd I praise you because you are the shepherd that lays down your life for your sheep do you understand what it means to praise his name should I stop or keep going now look at what it says. I praise you because you are Jehovah Rophe. You are my healer. And because you are my healer, I rely on the power and authority of your name to step in, to intervene. And however you choose to do it, I'm submitted to your authority in your name. God, I praise you because you are Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace. And because my mind is stayed on you, you will set me in perfect peace. And I praise you because you, you don't give me peace. You are my peace. 
Father, I praise you because you are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. And because you are my provider, I know that I won't go in lack forever. I know that eventually at some point you will intervene. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You're not short of anything. You are my provider. And I don't rely on just my own hand and just my own ability. I, I work that hard, but I rely on you to provide. Father, I praise you because you are Jehovah Tikkunu. You are my righteousness. I praise you because I know that I'm not made right because of my behavior because I can't be good enough to be right with you. I praise you because you see me as right with you because of my relationship. I thank you. I praise you because you are El Roy. You are the God who sees me. And I praise you because you see me. And I know if you see me, you're not going to leave me alone. I know if you're not going to leave me alone, you're going to take care of me. Thank you that you're not blind to who I am, where I am, and what I need. I praise you for who you are. And when I praise you for who you are, I'm bringing all of your nature and all of your character and all of your past activity to bear on my present situation. See, the form that Jesus taught us to pray begins with acknowledging God for who he is. Do you understand that? So here's the thing. Here's, let me, I'm going to try to wrap this up. This week, do one thing. This week, do one thing. Praise God for who He is. If you're a child of God, praise God for who He is and let your praise be enough. Just let your praise be enough. Let God respond to those who praise His name. Think about it for a minute. If you trust, the, if you trust this right here, if you trust this enough, to believe what it says. See, here's the thing that I'm learning. As I get older, I'm starting to believe this more and more. And I don't know if I'm just convinced my time is short and i got to believe this. I don't know. But I'm, I just like, when I was little, I believed this all day long. But then I got older, went to college, and got stupid. And then, you know, well, I don't know. But now that I'm getting older, I'm starting to believe this again. And so just imagine for a minute, if you believe this, and Jesus said, you start your prayers with hallowing his name and expect God to respond based on his character, his nature, his past activity on those who will do what Jesus said and just praise his name. Imagine for a moment, you have just, God, I'm going to pray and let God choose how he's going to respond to those who will take him up on his word and just praise him. Trust God to move and trust God to shelter to move for those who praise his name. And watch what happens. Now, I'm not saying don't ask God for some. I'm not saying don't make your request known to him. The Bible says that too. But start by praise. And maybe this would just do an experiment. Maybe this week just stop at praise. Watch what happens. I love Psalm 5. I, I think Psalm 5 begins with, Give ear to my word, O Lord, and consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto you will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I lift my prayers and direct my prayers to you. I love how it starts. This is how it ends. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who what? Not love you, although that's implied. Those who love your name. May rejoice in you. Surely Jehovah, all those names you just talked about, 
You bless the righteous. Get this. You surround them with favor as with the shield. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want God to surround us with favor as with the shield? Guess who he does that for? Those who love his name. What's his name? All those Jehovah ones we just talked about. Do you understand? This is part of my prayers every morning I pray this prayer. God, spread your protection over me. I love your name. Surround me with favors with the shield. Cause my family to start to love your name. They need you to surround them with favors with the shield. Just notice what the Bible says. Those who love his name will rejoice will be filled with joy and gladness, and he will surround them with favor as with the shield. I wonder how many times we've been asking God for help and asking God for assistance, asking God for favor, and haven't first started by praising his name. You understand what I'm saying? Psalm 91, understand this. Because he loves, this is what God's, this is what Jehovah said. All those names, this is what he says. Because that person loves me, I will rescue him. I will protect him. Because why? Because he acknowledges me. No, because he acknowledges what? I don't care if some of you snuck in today. I don't care if you're at home. Get this. Understand what the Bible says. I'm so freaking convinced of this stuff, and I want you to understand it. God says, because that person loves me, I will rescue him. Why? I'll protect him. Why? Because he acknowledges my name. Because when I am in lack, I praise you, God, because you're my provider. I've acknowledged his name. Because when I'm sick, I praise you, Jehovah Rophi. You are my healer. I've acknowledged his name. God, I'm in trouble. I need help, and I praise you because you are Jehovah Saba, my warrior. You need to war on my behalf. I've acknowledged his name. Guess what happens? He protects those who acknowledge his name right up front because it brings his character, his nature, and all the activities past to bear on our present. you understand what's at stake here? He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him, and I will honor him. Can you imagine God saying that he'll honor you? When I first read this in our prince, I was blown away. I'm like, wait, wait, God, you're going to, people in my church don't even honor me. This is awesome. Like, you're going to honor me? With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That means my salvation, deliverance, and prosperity. Why? Because I've acknowledged his name. God takes his name pretty dang seriously. And he's given us access to it. Here's, the, here's what I'm trying to say. Every one of your needs is met by one of God's names. Every one of your needs is met by one of God's names. For every need you encounter this week, for every need you encounter, if you're a child of God, for every need you encounter this week, find a corresponding name of God. And praise him for that name. Because in God's name is God's activity. And let that be enough. Try it for a week. God, I have this need. You have this name. I praise you for who you are. That's enough. 
and just step back and watch what God might do for those who acknowledge his name. I'm not saying be negligent. I'm not saying be stupid. I'm saying do everything you've got to do, but in your need, find a name, praise him for that, and let that be enough. Praise God for his name that meets your need. Because inherent in that praise is also your request. And inherent in that praise is also his answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me finish with this. Guys, y'all better come up here because if you don't come up here, there's no reason for me to quit. Here, look here. Look here. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his what? Holy name. Here's the thing. Did you know this, that Jesus knew the Bible? (laughs) Like, Like Jesus was aware of everything that the law and the prophets said in the psalm. He knew it. So when he said, this is how you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, he knew this verse was already on the books. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What benefits? The benefits that are described in his name. My banner. My warrior. My shepherd. My healer, my peace, my provision, my sanctification, God who sees me. Remember all those benefits, they're inherent in his name. Those benefits, who forgives your iniquities and heals your diseases. So the prayer goes like this. I use this as a model for my prayer. My prayer goes like this. I will bless your name, Jehovah, and I will remember all your benefits. You are God, my warrior. You are God, my banner. You are God, my healer. You are God, my provider. I remember all your benefits. You pardon and forgive all my iniquity and the consequences of my iniquity, and you heal all our diseases. Continue your pardon, forgiveness, and healing of us according to your great name, Jehovah, and according to your great name, Jesus. Hallowed be your name. This is how we start our, I'm not talking about those short little prayers like, help God. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about those when you want to really approach the throne of grace that we talked about last week with freedom and confidence, you do that first by acknowledging that name because in that name is protection. In that name is power. In that name. That's where we begin. And so again, this week, you got a need. Find a name that corresponds to that name and let that praise be enough. And see how he might respond to his children who honor his name. Pray with me. God, in this moment... We come before your throne of grace with freedom and with confidence, acknowledging your name, 
respond to us according to to the full measure of your mercy and the full magnitude of your grace not according to our behavior not according to our activity not according to our religiosity but simply according to your mercy and your grace that is profound and magnificent and represented in your name in this moment we do one thing God we raise a hallelujah to your name let our praise of your name be louder than our unbelief. Let the power of your name be bigger than our problem. Our weapon is the praise of your name. Let heaven invade our reality through your name. In this moment, in this moment, this is how our prayer begins. In this moment, we begin by praising your name. It is the name above every name. It is the name before whom all knees will bow in heaven and on earth. Father, we confess and believe that every need we have is met by one of your names and we praise you and your name. Make yourself known. Let's sing. Let's stand. Just let this next song be our prayer for the upcoming week and praise his name together.